Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm a medium-sized stinger. And I'm just rolling with the homies. Welcome to episode 159, Bash at the Beach, 1995. An event so hot, they had to put it on a beach. Try it, get those sandals, sunscreen. Zinc. Zinc, zinc and Zubaz. That's my summer look. It's Big spring old right floppy now. hat. Mm-hmm. That's in a nice, the a nice white bucket. The bikini, if you're that kind of person. If you're the kind of person that wears a bikini. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nah, that's not for me, but hey. Nope. Nobody wants to see me in a bikini. I mean, the cameras made sure to find all the women in the bikinis <laughs> in this crowd. And with all the help from um, the one the one with the googliest of eyes, Bobby the Brain Heenan. <laughs> that's right. Like, don't forget... Oh, Mean Jeans somewhere nearby. Oh yeah, Mean Jeans just like <laughs> you know how the it's an outside set, so there's like the big like tarps that say like Bash at the Beach. He's just like peeking yep. <laughs> peeking around when he's not on camera. This was the second annual Bash at the Beach produced by WCW. It would take place on July sixteenth, nineteen ninety five, on the beach. Which beach? Huntington Beach, California. There you go. With an attendance of nine thousand five hundred people. <gasps> but Tony and Tony keeps telling me that there's like the most people that have ever been in a wrestling show. There's hundred thousand people. I think they took a ten mile stretch of the beach on a Sunday, uh, and just assumed that everybody was there for the wrestling show. I thought it was very funny. Uh, but they're not. No, they're not. Perhaps they're here for another reason. Some fun in the uh, sun. Breaking away from the uh, the notes here, we got a birthday in the house here, Michael. Oh my gosh! Our uh, our good buddy here, Matt. Oh, oh. No. your birthday is July sixteenth. No, the week this episode comes out. Oh my yeah. gosh! All right. Yeah. Strike it from the record. <laughs> we, we record these live. <laughs> Do yeah. it live. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. happy birthday. Happy birthday, Matthew. So Thank you uh, April. April 3rd. April 23rd. For those of you that want to, you know, do some serious stalking online of our friend Matthew. Yeah, send him, a, send him a Wrestling History X, uh, tweet out Wrestling History X, HBD, Matt, last name redacted. That's right. Just Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on there, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't think you did. It's just fun that redacted is a very fun word to say. This week, we're not in Philadelphia. We're not. We're and in, we're in Huntington Beach, California. We are, and I got to take a break from the uh, culinary, beverage, food, snack tour around the globe. Our birthday boy Matt here decided to uh, bring something special. I did. I was led down the path to. I, I love some whiskey, and I was told about this whiskey from a company called Screwball, and they make a peanut butter whiskey mm. out of the great state of California, just down the road from Huntington Beach in San Diego. They're not the people who came up with peanut butter whiskey, 
but they've kind of perfected it basically uh, okay. and become the the name the, the go-to the, the go-to the face of uh, peanut butter whiskey yeah and i was told to by the the friend that kind of led me towards it they were like put some grape soda or some strawberry soda ah. make a pb and j but i did it one better because i tried that and it was it was okay <laughs> well yeah the weird artificial grape flavor might have got funked up yeah we did it with some cranberry juice and made it a pb and j those are the only two ingredients it's the only two ingredients wow there's a lot of things going on there yeah. in flavor wise for it to be just that it does yeah taste... peanut butter whiskey is very nutty <laughs> and very flavorful i've heard people talk about the peanut butter whiskey for a while but this is my first my yeah. first taste of it and yeah. Do you think people like shoot it or sip it, or do they just mix it? I feel like it's more of a sipping whiskey. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes for good cocktails. I mean, there's a... Literally, if you go to screwballwhiskey.com, they have a list of cocktails that they have perfected yeah. there, and they it's put cool. new ones on there all the time. You know it would be great if, if they made one that tastes like a mouthful of trail mix. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite foods, just regular trail mix. Add some chocolate syrup some, and, oh God, that sounds and rough. some. Uh, Maybe I take it all back. <laughs> some raisins. There you go. Mm-hmm. Grape juice, grape juice with crushed up M and M's in. Yeah, I'm gonna have to try <laughs> like a, a thimble of this by itself just to see what the whiskey tastes like. Cause it I smells like peanut butter. Think it would be good in like coffee. I'm assuming. Yeah. I just gotta it see be, what yeah. the the flavor would be. Yeah, I'm going to definitely be looking into the Screwball website to see what cocktails they have because I can't think of really anything outside of PB and J. It's like, what else do you do with it? But I believe that <laughs> I mean, they have, like, they have a recipe for just like an old fashioned. Mm, um, they okay. have a bunch of fall. The last ones they uploaded were some fall uh, cocktails. Yeah, this seems less like a summer thing. The peanut butter. <laughs> you know honestly, what I mean? I'm but thinking hey. this might be good too with like because I mean I'm a, a whiskey and coke guy. Do the peanut butter whiskey I mean, and cherry coke? Oh, oh yeah. Well, you know, like people people do the peanuts in your Dr Pepper or Coke thing. Yeah, that's uh, in the old glass bottle. So yep. maybe uh, maybe that's, that's the what coke. initially got me thinking of it was. I mean, literally, the top two are a peanut butter espresso martini. Okay, mm-hmm. so we know it goes good with coffee. A there you go. Pumpkin paradise. They call a red, white, and screw, which is basically strawberry lemon juice. Strawberry infused Aperol. Oh yeah, you know what? I went uh, bowling with my sister last night, and she got an Aperol spritz, and I was like, "What the hell is Aperol?" And she's like, "It's like a liqueur that tastes very herbal." Okay. But she like, said I, the one I've seen that in recipes, but I yeah. had no idea what the hell it was. Yeah, she said the one that she got was not very good. I tried it; it kind of tastes like orange soda. She's like, "It's supposed to be bitter." I don't know what they did here. It's a salted chocolate peanut butter pretzel recipe okay. that looks. Kind of amazing. That oh yeah, damn tasty. I mean, there's something about uh, the those. You get a big old. It's literally the whiskey and chocolate liqueur. That's it. Yeah, the uh, what's that crap called? The, the just the peanut butter filled pretzels you get in a big old jug at like Costco. Yes. And like you eat one, and you're like, yeah, it's good. But for some reason, after you eat ten, they they start to taste better, and then you <laughs> eat like a quarter of the container, hey. like fifteen thousand calories of. How do you of think pretzels. combos have stayed in business uh, all these years? Combos are a great Go road on, trip snack. <laughs> <laughs> Is that they have a combo song? Yeah, it's a secret song. I like the first oh, album. Oh, okay. 
So literally, people would bring combos to their. That's like that's like combos are the are the. Let's remember that. Like Fago is to ICP as combos are to Reliant K. Not to compare the two. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) But both both uh, the technically Christian. Christian uh, musicians. ICP if you want to be, Christian. if you want to believe, that's what. Depending on which. ICP had this thing forever called the Dark Carnival. It's like, and then people were like, "What's the Dark Carnival? What's the Dark Carnival?" And then like, t- fifteen years into their career, or whatever, it's like the Dark Carnival is the Bible or God or something like that. And it's like, what are you guys talking about? You've been saying horrendous things for so long on these records. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe they had a change of heart, but huh. I don't believe. That the original idea for the Dark Carnival was that it was religious or whatever. It's called the Dark Carnival. I don't think so either. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like that you, you should have just kept the suitcase closed. Nobody wants to know what's in the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. We don't need to know what the Dark Carnival is. We spent too much time talking about the Dark Carnival. This is not an ECW show. The Dark Carnival of wrestling. But something that did happen right around the same time as Bash at the Beach, the next weekend... Clueless would be released. As if... I mean, what do we say about Clueless? Great movie. Oh, it's a fucking amazing movie. It's classic. It's one of my favorites. Yep, it features the recently deceased Mighty Mighty Bostones. They're deceased? Oh, they uh, they just like they just called it quits, up. yeah. Oh, they finally broke up. Oh, dang. Old yep. Dickie the Dick finally yep. got kicked out of his band, huh? The, the Boston hardcore scene is reeling. Yeah, that dude is a prick. <laughs> You know, brought us the, the right wing, uh, Stacy Dash. You know. Oh yeah, Stacy Dash. Is there somebody wonderful, uh, Donald Faison? Yeah, the he's wonderful. One, yeah, somebody like I don't know that there's somebody I've like like that's that hot that I disagree with so so wholeheartedly. I mean, Dash. both of our lead women in this movie, yeah. their their parenting skills are not top line either. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> in my yeah. opinion. Uh, Cher, Cher is cool, but she's not nearly as cool as. Oh my gosh, I'm embarrassing myself. Alicia Silverstone. Tay. No, as um, Brittany Murphy. No, no, no. As uh, what's Stacey Dash's name in the movie? Oh, her. Oh, uh, Dion. Dion. I was about to say Devin, and I'm like, that's not it. It's Dion. <laughs> Dion's yeah. the coolest person in the whole movie. Cher. She's awesome. Dion and Ty. No, no. Paul Rudd. Is the coolest character. Yeah, he's just in the movie. Yeah, but Paul Rudd's the coolest character in every movie that he's in. So I mean, that's kind of his thing. Like he never, he never plays Which, a dweeb. He always I will plays, admit, like, the I hottie. thought Paul Rudd looked too old for the role when this movie came out, and now he looks exactly the same. Yep. Yeah, he's the Pharrell. He's the Fer- he's like the Pharrell of white guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean. Him and Stacy Dash. Apparently, they swam in the same pool and drank. Oh, yeah, Stacy Dash um, still killing it out here. Yeah, I mean, as crazy as she is, she still looks the same as she did in 1995. I think Alicia Silverstone crazy. may have been my uh, first celebrity crush. Really? I could see that. Yeah, I never I mean, she like. She's obviously um, an attractive lady, but I never had a thing for Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. I, I liked her more in the Aerosmith videos than <laughs> I did in movies. Yeah. So weird to have your daughter like. I mean, I, I loved Clueless, but yeah, just Clueless was great, and then it led me to watch uh, the Babysitter, and uh, that uh, sparked that attraction. Even uh, I've never not seen the Babysitter. I've seen Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Crush. Crush was a great one as well. I'm not familiar with that one. I know Blue Crush. Excess baggage. 
That one wasn't so good. No, but it was her and Batman and Robin. Uh, exactly. <laughs> she was the hot hot ticket woman at the time, so yeah. it made totally sense for her to play Barbara Gordon. Yeah. But I mean, there's like really and no killed the franchise. Yeah, really, no bad performances in Clueless. Everybody is really just like in the zone for, and everybody's character is very like exaggerated. Yes. But like in a way that dramatic rich teenagers are pretty exaggerated people. So like, yeah, everything works. And who who do you cast to play Alicia Silverstone's dad more than the guy with? The best worst eyebrows, <laughs> uglier than fucking a bucket of paint. So good. Great movie, great soundtrack. Yeah. Great everything. Yeah. Yeah, a movie that even the most macho of man cannot deny the, the like sheer quality of Clueless. Let's see if a macho man can deny how good Bash at the Beach is. Ooh, I mean, it's Macho's first. Beach bash, bash at the beach. I'm more of a beach blast guy, but you can go back and listen to that episode and hear me rave about it. We get narration over match announcements, along with a Slim Jim ad. Snap it to a Slim Jim! Because Bash at the Beach is presented by Slim Jim. I know. uh, It's a shame Macho is still not alive to continue his rap career and have a song called Slim Jim Money. Can you imagine (laughs) how good that would be? Honestly, if someone out there is listening and they can do a really good Macho Man... And they make beats. They should do a song in the voice of Macho Man called Slim Jim Money. It'd be very good. (laughs) We see a helicopter shot of the ring and the thousands of fans surrounding it on the beach. Tony Schiavone then welcomes us to the show. And he's joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary. Oh, Bobby. Tony then sends us to a video package where we get narration over Ming highlights. I, mean, I swear we've seen a few different Ming highlight videos. Am I wrong? They're they're pushing Ming at the moment. I mean, I know, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they totally should be, but they're they're really doing it. Yeah, <laughs> with, the, with the highlight videos, uh, I'm all for it. I like. I mean, it, it's he's he's not Ming. He's Ming here, but he's like, Haku. yeah, he's Haku, and Haku is great. Haku <laughs> is like better than a lot of people they've tried to push, and a lot of people they put in marquee matches. That it, he should be in the ring and not standing next to Colonel Rob Parker on the outside. Yeah. Because he still looks great, and he still looks threatening. But I did love the narration, so I have it here. Trained in nine forms of martial arts, Ming is a master of disaster. Inside his mind, the focus is there. Discipline, tenacity, diligence. The fight will continue. Until the breathing stops. Termination. Victims are many. Friends are few. Fear is widespread. Mink, 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 mink. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what a, like, yeah, it's like they're building him up for Hogan or something. (laughs) My God. Building him up to be the next monster or. Hogan did fight the Butcher. True. Ming makes Jim Duggan and the Butcher look like Jim Duggan and the Butcher. We then go to Mean Gene, and he's with Sting in the back. And Sting says, Ming is dangerous. He's a bad dude. But the Stinger is crazy. I'm not going to be embarrassed in front of my family and friends. Because, you know, he's from 
Cali. Cali. He's from Kentucky, I think. Yeah. But he's Nebraska. living in Oh, Nebraska. Yeah, okay, okay. I knew it was somewhere over there. Yeah, you know. Hey, this is where him and uh, the Dingo Warrior got their start. Damn right. Him and Renegade were uh, working out on the beach here before they broke into wrestling. So we go to our first match. <laughs> Ming with Colonel Robert Parker versus Sting for the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. Bum, bum, bum. Sting. Sting. I, Ming. I love the camera work because like early in the show there's like just this like total like long-haired ginger dude with like a backwards hat just like looks very nonplussed even though he's standing there like he just, like he's never doesn't know what wrestling is. And then when this Right when this match starts, they show like a guy in an ECW shirt next to some lady who's like in a bikini, but she has a Star of David necklace on, which just like really caught me off guard. It's like, yeah, I mean, whatever, but like it's just funny to wear your Star of David necklace to the to the beach, and I thought that was awesome. I love look at me. Yeah, I love a crowd at a show that like honestly kind of surprised that the crowd knew as much as they. Because I assume this was I just agree. a free show on the beach, I so agree. like that's really important. Because I expected them to not know anything and just like react weirdly to everything that happened. But they are a pretty decent and involved crowd, considering. Plus, you don't see anybody with a drink in their hand the whole show, and they're on the beach. I'm surprised nobody passed out. <laughs> I would have been just chugging water, standing there, hugged up on the beach next to all those people. Michael Buffer makes our announcements. So let's get ready to get tan. Oh. We get a feeling out process early on between the two men until Ming starts laying it in. And anytime Sting gets a blow in, Ming just shakes it off. Ming is controlling the match with chokes and nerve holds before hitting a leaping leg drop for a two count. And this is where Tony tells us that there's a Baywatch production team there recording stuff for the show. As Hogan, Vader, Savage Flair, and Kevin Sullivan would guest star on the season six, episode 15 episode of Baywatch to promote this event. One of these things is not like the other. Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> the only problem with using that to promote this event as if the episode wouldn't come out until the next February. Yeah, they didn't real. They they thought that total th- sense. The television was. At, they just made one episode at a time and didn't like you know shoot seasons ahead of time. It's like this is not wrestling. It's not a lie. Baywatch isn't shot live, guys. Well, no. I it, mean, you'd figure a show that is famous for recording weeks worth of episode stuff would understand that a TV show mm-hmm. records weeks worth of episodes before they air them yeah. or you know in this case months yeah it's, a, wow. it's, it's television it's, the yeah. time doesn't matter uh, in why, wrestling time matters why is Kevin Sullivan participating in Baywatch why is like that's Wunderkind why, why, oh, is yeah. not, why, why isn't there a handful the third biggest heel while they had three faces and three heels Das Wunderkind and uh, David Hasselhoff tag team. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Oh, come on, yeah. You get Alex Wright to save Obi out of the water. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, you got the the, the uh, like Is that the his name? Obi, Hopi, something like the, that. The, the beefy German, and then the like. You're asking cute me like I've watched Baywatch. Never seen it. Uh, I mean, I've seen it. 
I'd say you're missing out, it. but you were never like a Baywatch watch. Same with me. It's like I caught random episodes, but I was never like watching it regularly in any point in my life. I've seen random episodes, and the later ones. Uh, David Hasselhoff's character's name's Mitch. Yes. Yes. Score one point for me. You know what my favorite thing about Baywatch is in middle the school. End song? No, in middle school I was obsessed with <laughs> the girls running with this really disgusting TV show on FX called Son of the Beach. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a great show. Yeah, great show, very foul, mm-hmm. uh, very disgusting, and I liked that show a lot. And it only exists because of Baywatch. Yep. Oh, that's great. I love that stupid show. <laughs> I've made people watch that show and they're like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Yeah, I have a scene where Son of the Beach and My Name is Earl crossover? No. Good stuff. I should check that out. I'm very intrigued. <laughs> mean keeps working over Sting with more chokes and chops until he misses a clothesline, allowing the Stinger to hit one of his own. But it just fires up Ming even more. We get a headbutt, Mongolian chops, and a body slam by Ming before coming off the second rope with a diving headbutt, only for Sting to move and apply the scorpion deathlock. But Colonel Parker jumps on the apron so the Stinger releases the hold to deal with him, allowing Ming to kick him from behind, tossing Sting out to the floor. Bobby Heenan is totally on in this episode. He's very good. Maybe it's the sun just like feeding the rays of his the, his brain like Superman. But he says that he sees a Baywatch girl wink at him. And Tony uh, Shivani says, well, she must have had sand in her eyes. And Bobby Heenan replies... Both eyes. It's a double wink. You know what that means. I'm like, oh my god, Bobby. <laughs> like, yeah. And then after that, I like made sure to pay attention to him because he was firing on all cylinders at that point. That's gold. Oh, Bobby. Ming brings the stinger back in with a brain buster after several turnbuckle smashes for a two count, followed by a trio of backbreakers for a near fall. Ming then starts working the back of Sting with stretches, but Sting fights out to go for a sunset flip. Only for me to be in the ropes. The helicopter shots where you can see nothing. It looks like Sim City for uh, Super Nintendo. And Tony just telling us there's hundreds of thousands of people here. When they should just be putting over Ming. Because Ming looks great here. Ming tries for a sunset flip of his own. But the stinger just drops straight down on Ming's head. Drop the ass. Headbutt by Ming who then turns Sting over into a crab. But he lets it go when he thinks the stinger has given up, only to realize that it was Parker pounding on the mat. Oh, I do love that it's not—it's the crab where it's both legs on one side. It's a good look. Somebody should bring that back. It looks really awesome when a big guy does that. Ming attempts an elbow drop, but Sting moves and starts to fire up with a belly-to-belly suplex. Multiple clotheslines, a back body drop, and a chop block to the knee, followed by a fez press. For a two count. Love the Fez press. Love seeing Sting do a Fez press. Sting leaps up on Ming's shoulders to hit a hurricanrana for a near fall. Uh, a bad hurricanrana. Goes for an Irish whip that is reversed, so the Stinger leaps up onto the ropes, coming off with a crossbody for a two count. Sting then attempts the Stinger splash, but Ming gets a boot up to the face for the pin, and no! Sting gets a boot on the ropes. Ming hits a body slam and heads up top for a flying splash of his own, only for a near fall. Ming then attempts a thrust kick, but the stinger ducks and rolls him up for the pin and, and the, the win. win. 
Post-match, Ming attacks Sting with kicks until he can roll out, which brings out Road Warrior Hawk to help the Stinger to safety. Yeah. A weird first match. We normally get the lighter guys, but this is really well, pretty well worked and one of the more substantial like babyface sting matches I feel like we've seen in a while. I thought this was very nice. Yep, I think with the uh, the beach setting, they needed to start off with some some, some star power to yeah. grab people's attention. Agreed. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sting, it's like okay, well, we love Regal and like Das Wunderkind, and like we want to see that light heavyweight match. But it's like, oh no, we need Sting out here to get to take some take some heat. Set Look how like he's gonna lose. Get the flash pin, like you know. Yeah, set the hook yeah. to you know. I get the crowd on the edge of their seat for what's coming next. A classic babyface win. It's nice. So we go to the back of Mean Jeans there with Jimmy Hart and the Renegade. <laughs> and Jimmy says the world is all talking about Renegade. And after this match, so will Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, I like, in my notes, I always write him as Renny. Renny? Yeah, I like that. he's Renny. Renye? Yeah, Renye. Ren- <laughs> <laughs> Renegade actually does speak. He says, Hart has programmed me to T-O-S. Terminate on sight. Which is the movie he's starring in for DNT. I'm kidding, that's not true, but that would be very funny. It's very possible. Yeah. I would watch a movie I mean, called Terminator. I've never on seen sight. him without his face paint, so he could very well be Terminator? A star. Oh, of, a star. He yeah. could be. He's a beefy. So we go to our second match. Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff versus the Renegade with Jimmy Hart for the WCW World Television Championship. Oh, Mr. Wonderful, he deserves so much more than this match. We love him, but it's so nice that, like, it's like, well, who else, who's going to actually be able to have a decent match with the Renegade? Paul Orndorff's probably the best you got, unless it's Arn Anderson. So, it is what it is. I love that Tony says something about how wired and high-strung Renegade is to where Bobby Heenan just says wired like a cheap watch and just (laughs) Bobby is really on they must have threatened him for being drunk on Mike those couple months ago because he's uh, if he he either had the right amount of booze or none at all because he's killing it he's feeling all free now that that neck brace is gone oh yeah He's got some, uh, yeah, some the sun on his neck and uh, yeah, and his and his brain's bubbling. That's right. Renegade starts going for his flurry of running clotheslines to start, but Orndorff with a knee to the gut and the wobbly knee elbow drop slow him down. Mister Wonderful starts yelling at Jimmy, which allows Renegade to recover and get a boot up on Orndorff when he comes off the top rope. Renegade with more clotheslines, including one that sends Wonderful out to the sand. And Renegade pulls Orndorff back into the ring by his hair before applying a headlock. Did he sell it as well as Luna Bashan? Probably not. I don't think so. Doubtful. Wonderful escapes, only to be drop kicked out of the ring and out to the sand again, where Orndorff gets a great idea. Wonderful. Grabbing a handful of that sand. To throw into the Renegade's eyes. There you go. Wonderful. Back in the ring, Wonderful delivers a back suplex and a clothesline before raking the face and hitting several elbows. Orndorff with a drop kick before going for a pile driver, only for the Renegade to reverse into a back body drop. 
followed by a pair of terrible drop kicks. Ugh, terrible make, single legs. That make the Sandmans look good. The crowd is booing Renegade. Paul yep. Orndorff has been was a like a an attraction that sold out Madison Square Garden like in the early eighties. People that like wrestling like Paul Orndorff. They like it when they call him Paula. They like to boo him. But you know what they like to boo more? Somebody that doesn't deserve to be in the ring with Paul Orndorff. Renegade hits a power slam. But instead of a cover, he just walks back and forth like he has no clue what he's doing. Checks out. Yep. But Wonderful does as he yanks Renegade out to the floor. Ah, Love that. Back in the ring, Renegade slips out of a suplex, delivers a back suplex for the pin, and and the win. But, did you notice? It was obvious that Orndorff's right shoulder was up at two. It truly was. Only for the ref to have not seen it. Yeah, the crowd boos because Renegade is trash. Post-match, Wonderful is pissed off, uh, so he attacks the Renegade, hitting a pile driver. Two cheers! Exactly. But Renegade no-sells it, getting to his feet to deliver a flying body press off the ropes. And cue Renegade, the booze. What if Renegade is actually Eric Watts just, like, jacked up Oh, my pain? God. Eric Watts <laughs> went away for six months and just got on, like, fucking anabolic yeah. steroids. He went on the Triple H diet. Hell yes. <laughs> Renegade makes Eric Watts look like a fucking superstar. Yeah, right? Renegade makes Eric Renegade Watts look like Dr. Death. Renegade makes Eric Watts look like the guy who inspired Shane Douglas as a wrestler. <laughs> here, here, here's this one. Renegade makes uh, Eric Watts look like Firebreaker Chip. <laughs> oh, Firebreaker Chip. <laughs> yeah, you live, a lo- you live in our hearts and no one else's. Best of love. Best, right. best of luck and love I for Renegade. I raised my PB and JT if I were here. <laughs> Tony Den sends us to a video package where we see Kevin Sullivan drinking from a goblet. This reminds me of the White Castle of Fear, the early Beach Bash stuff, where they do like the very cinematic ones. Sting going to the dungeon of... of Flava! Like, <laughs> uh, Sting going to the dungeon um, where like there's like the biker guys and uh, Jake the Snake. Like This is... Some stuff that we love. Tony Schiavone doing his best Dracula. Yeah. When they go full WWF, like, cornball, they, like, go further than WWF ever has, and it becomes so enjoyable and so bad and so awesome. Mm -hmm. I love this. But after Sullivan drinks from that goblet, he becomes the Taskmaster in the Dungeon of Doom. The giant plastic cup filled with dry ice. The master then introduces a new warrior from the deepest, darkest heart of the African continent. Yeah, it's like uh, he was roommates with uh, Paddington there before this. (laughs) And it's Kamala. (laughs) And he he gets Pyro on Mountain Doom. Old Moonbelly himself. We haven't seen Kamala since Survivor Series 1992, all the way back in episode 79. You want to ran him off out of town. You want to hear a funny thing about Kamala that I heard recently? He started kind of like in Memphis as like a monster, and he was doing stuff with uh, Lawler, you know, brought him in to be a monster or whatever, and um, Lawler, like, I guess is 
an artist. Like, he can draw. Yeah. So the same, like, Bret Hart can draw. Uh, so he was doing the paint for Kamala. And Kamala was like, what the fuck? Why did you paint a banana on my stomach? Like, being offended <laughs> or whatever. And he's like, Kamala, it's a, it's a banana. It's not a, no, it's not a banana. It's a, it's a crescent moon. And he was like, oh, okay. And it's like, it's like, hey, man, I've done these, like, you know, kind of, like, questionable, like, race gimmicks but you're taking it a step too far. He's like, no, it's a moon, sir. <laughs> like, there's no stem here. Yeah. And I thought that, that was kind of funny and charming, and I'm glad that it was not a banana. Just clap your belly. Nobody will notice. <laughs> yeah. We go back to the beach where Mean Gene is joined by Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Ooh. And he says he's tired of being Mr. Nice Guy. He's coming out swinging the lumber. He was ever a nice guy? Dirty Duggan. So that leads us to our third match. Kamala with the Taskmaster versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, I love right. Kamala has the mask. Yeah, he comes him. he comes out wearing a tiki mask. I already miss kimchi. <laughs> Hacksaw looks to use the 2x4, but the ref stops him. So Duggan just starts up a USA chant. That's his secret weapon. Hacksaw then unloads on Kamala to start hitting several clotheslines to finally take him down, but a rake at the eyes by the, by the Ugandan puts him in control. Hey, at least finally the heel is raking the eyes. Damn right. Sullivan's on the outside yelling Hulkamania that riles up Kamala even more to hit some chops, kicks, and chokes. Duggan then tries to fire up to body slam the Ugandan to no avail. So Kamala just goes back to choking until he locks on a... Bear hug. I love uh, Kamala's energy. I think his character work is pretty decent. His bear hug is bad. Hacksaw tries to fight back, but the Ugandan won't let go. But a sudden surge of energy allows Duggan to back Kamala into the corner to stomp on his bare feet. <sighs> he's so he's so close to Fourth of July. He's still got that high from you know from the our our country's most celebratory of holidays. Hacksaw charges into a corner, only for the Ugandan to avoid and apply a peck lock. Huh. It's not a trap hold. It's a peck lock. Is that where he is grabbing his, his boot? He's grabbing his titty? Or is there's... I know on this show at one point there is like an armpit pinch. No, he's grabbing... Okay. This is just a titty hole. Save that for the next yeah. one. This is, this is the a, pit lock. Yeah, this is how Bobby and Mean Gene are daydreaming about when they see the Baywatch ladies. Is the uh, peck lock, to put it politely. Only for Duggan to escape by hitting Kamala in the ear. Hacksaw continues with a clothesline and a body slam to set up for the three-point stance. When the Taskmaster jumps up to the apron which distracts the ref. All of a sudden, the Zodiac runs into the ring with Kamala's mask, using it across the back of Duggan, <sighs> allowing the Ugandan to make the cover for the pin and, and the win. win. It's nice to see Duggan take a pin. It's not nice to see the Butcher and Zebra print. Oh, yeah, the, the Zodiac. That's the Butcher. Are, are you yeah. sure it wasn't Honky Tonk Man? I think I figured it out. Okay, okay. I think I figured it out. The butcher is taller. Okay. (laughs) His movements, though, it was like he was trying to mimic Luna. Oh, yeah. The way that he was running and walking and 
Yeah, he's he's try yeah, he's like, Well, I gotta watch some tape if I'm gonna be crazy. <laughs> I'm used to being boring. What if I tried to be crazy? Yeah. Serial killer walks like this. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they wear zebra. And they say hus. Hus. He learned that yeah, he was like, Well, Kevin Sullivan likes to go, Hey, hey He's like, Well, what if I took out the Y and added an S? Character complete. We go to Mean Gene in the back and he's joined by Macho Man Randy Savage. And he has these words to say, it's all about emotion, family, and survival. We're on the beach. <laughs> ah, wish you could have saw Matt's finger up. <laughs> the match is going to get the nature boy. Yeah, I had to do the beach. Yeah, the, the beach is was the best line. Mm-hmm. It's not the world's best uh, Macho Man promo, but there's not really any bad Macho Man promos. Mm-hmm. But then we go to our fourth match. Diamond Dallas Page with the Diamond Doll and Max Muscle versus Evad Sullivan. With Ralph the Rabbit. He's not there. They say it. They announce it. So there's a story behind this match. It seems like DDP always seems to have a good one here. Yep. I mean, you know. You know, he had, remember, he had lost arm wrestling match. Yes, the uh, over-the-top match. Yeah. Over the, so over the Diamond match. Doll had to go on a date with Evad. While they were on their date, a man in a bunny suit would hop by with a message for them. Roses are red, violets are blue. Diamond's Dallas Page says, enjoy the rabbit stew. Oh no! Choppy pee-pee. Evad had left Ralph the Rabbit in the car. Oh my gosh, you can go to jail for that. So when he goes to check on (laughs) him... Page and Muscle would attack Evad in the parking lot. Oh, no. <laughs> but they didn't really hurt the rabbit, guys. He, I know. He was fine. Yes. Oh, rabbits yeah. were harmed in the making of this episode yeah. exactly. or this podcast. This isn't Milo and Otis or Velveteen Rabbit. What a crazy, sad story. <laughs> they go, the kid has tuberculosis, so we burned all of his toys. <laughs> So after Diamond Doll and DDP are in the ring, a little Hulkamaniac walks up the steps to give the Diamond Doll some roses, which upsets Paige in the worst gear possible. So he smacks Kimberly with them. I hope they dethorned them. That was the kid's job. Like, we'll give you 20 bucks and you can meet Hogan. You got to take the thorns off of these roses. And we need you to sing on this little track. Mm-hmm. I wanna be a Hulkamaniac. Oh, he's yeah, he's all the voices. They just <laughs> they just double tracked or quadruple tracked all the vocals. What is DDP wearing here? Like some Max Moon re- I reject mean, it just, gear. It's just horrible gear that says Page. Yeah, it's just not the nice. Diamond Dallas Page with the diamond on his ass and okay. everything. It, it just it pink looks, diamond. Yeah, it looks it really did, bad. For some reason, it didn't stick out. Hmm. I norm- I love some bad gear. Evad then runs in, attacking Paige from behind, knocking him out to the floor, but pulls him back to the apron for a turnbuckle smash and a vertical suplex back into the ring. Hey, I mean, Dallas isn't small, but Evad isn't either. Nope. It's a nice spot. DDP begs off, but then yanks Sullivan into the corner, only to miss a roundhouse right, allowing Evad to deliver an atomic drop and a clothesline. Sullivan continues the snap suplex, only to start paying attention to the Diamond Doll, allowing Paige to attack from behind once again. 
DDP with a corner clothesline attempts a second one, only for Evad to catch him with a bear hug. But Paige escapes with a thumb to the eye. Please don't be the year of the bear hug. Please don't be the year of the bear hug. DDP with another <laughs> corner charge, which Sullivan avoids again, causing Paige to crotch himself and wonder if anybody will be feeling the bang tonight. Oh, I thought you were going to do a diamond thing. The diamonds. The crowd then seems to be throwing things over the ring. Not into the ring, but they're trying to throw them over the ring from Maybe, like one side to the other. They're just having a catch. Having a, a nice catch on the so beach. So obviously we can tell what their excitement level for this match is as well. As They're Evad, trying to evade watching this match. But they're doing this as Ebad hits several clotheslines, a turnbuckle smash, and applies an inverted bear hug, only for Max to hop on the apron to distract Sullivan. The inverted bear hug, or as we call it, the uh, like boyfriend arms. Please don't be the bear hug. Please don't be the bear hug. Ebad knocks Muscle off the apron, but this allows DDP to nail him from behind before hitting a diamond cutter for the pin and the win. Yeah, okay. Mm. So the winner of this match, Diamond Dallas Page, with uh, Max Muscle and uh, a probably pretty abused Diamond Doll. Yeah, that's Mrs. Page to you. <laughs> if you're na- well, I was going to say Mrs. If you're Page, nasty, you're nasty. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess uh, we'll find out. You know what's really nasty? Diamond Dallas Page uh, pension for self promotion. The man is uh, fearless and looking like an asshole. I mean, he's. The innovator of the self high five, so yeah, the innovator of uh, DDPY. Don't call it yoga. It's like then why the why? I mean, come up with your own word, you idiot. We then go to the back of Mean Jeans there with Harlem Heat and Sh- Sister Sherry, and Booker T says tonight is gonna be like a steaming pile of neck bones, cooking for about three days. Well, at least they didn't make Kamala say it. <laughs> neck bones cooking for about three days. Yeah. Okay. Harlem Heat doesn't really have like a southern vibe. And that seems like a southern thing to say. Well, where are they built from? I'm trying to remember. Harlem. Like, mm-hmm. Harlem. Duh. That's a stupid fucking question. Wow. It's all good. When you said that, I was like, where are they built from? <laughs> so, like, you're not alone. I won't let you. Wow. Yeah, you, I won't leave you hang out to dry. Some good peanut butter whiskey there, man. <laughs> Where are they from? Oakland says that Stevie Ray was standing on his foot. And Stevie responds with, Your foot got in the way, just like the nasty boys have gotten in the way. Just like the blue buds have gotten in the way. I was just like, that's such a horrible setup just to say all that. It's a bad setup, but his delivery is okay considering that they normally don't. I've seen better wrestlers with worse with worse. Mike skills than that particular delivery, yeah. but you know, I mean, he's trying I, to give Stevie Ray some love because he probably doesn't get any ever. I'd say that's why they have Sherry to do the talking for him. But Sherry kind of, sort of sounds like she's no. This a little, is not a little sauced or this is not the best chilled or something. We've seen Sherry do good work ninety nine percent of the time. This is not garbage, but it is not up to her standard or our standard of her especially if we're billing harlem heat as the number one cohesive tag team in wcw so we go to our fifth match 
the Blue Bloods of Lord Stephen Regal and Earl Robert Eaton versus the Nasty Boys of Jerry Sags and Brian Nobbs versus Harlem Heat of Stevie Ray and Booker T from Harlem with Sister Sherry in a triangle match for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. And you're like, wait, we've had a triangle match. That's not what this is. No, they they tell us the rules, and then they don't do them. And it's very confusing. So they're like, okay, it's going to be two guys. We're going to flip a coin, and then the other guys are going to do it. Yeah, so literally there's a coin toss to determine who will start the match. But then the match just basically becomes a three-way dance as you can tag in anybody. Yeah, so the idea is that like you can, if I'm... Earl Robert of Eaton, I can just like backslap tag Stevie Ray, and now he is in. So, Matt, I did not envy the notes you probably had to take for this match. And but it is nice to see that Nasty Boys being over, Blue Bloods obviously the biggest heels here, and Harlem Heat also getting some chance. Harlem Heat is starting to get over, as they should. Uh, so that's nice. The plus side is this is not a concession stand match. Although that could have been very fun on the beach. Could have. But it would have had to been like a cinematic or match a la uncensored in the back of a truck. (laughs) Uncensored in the back of a truck. So Booker and Knobs start us off. But it quickly breaks down into the three teams brawling with each other as Harlem Heat gets cleared out of the ring. While the Blue Bloods take some pit stops from the Nasties. Order is finally restored, and the match begins. Did you know that the Nasties are good guys to have at a picnic? They keep all the flies away from the food. Thank you, Bobby. Match begins with Brian running into a boot in the corner from Booker T, only to respond with a clothesline that turns Booker inside out. Regal then tags himself in when Nobbs goes to run the ropes, only to walk right into a super kick from Booker. Stevie Ray and Eaton then make their way into the ring, where Stevie backdrops Earl Robert, forcing him to roll out to the floor, only to receive a slap from Sherry. Back in the ring, Sags blind tags Eaton as Earl Robert comes off the ropes to receive a tilt-a-whirl power slam from Stevie Ray, allowing Jerry to nail him from behind. The Nasties control Stevie for a while, working his lower abdomen with headbutts and leg drops. Lord Steven is then slapped by Jerry, to be tagged in, followed by Harlem Heat working over Regal, until he is knocked to his corner, allowing Eaton to tag in to slow the momentum. Now Earl Robert tags in Nobbs to continue the attack on Booker, until he runs into a boot in the corner that somehow causes Booker T to fall out to the floor as well. It was a hefty boot. It was something. (laughs) This match was kind of something. Back in the ring, the Nasties hit clotheslines and double shoulder tackles with Sags attempting a cover. But Regal has made a blind tag, so he's the legal man. Lord Steven then buries some knees and delivers several European uppercuts to Stevie Ray, as the brain doesn't seem to get the way this match works. I get it slightly more than you do, Bobby. I mean, we've watched some ECW. Bobby uh, has not, I'd imagine, uh, and would not like it, as... He's not very into this either. And this is an ECW match minus the violence. Sags is tagged in by Regal, but he comes in to punch Lord Steven, 
leading to the Nasties and Blue Bloods to brawl in the ring momentarily, only for it to settle into everybody working over Stevie. Nobbs then hits a splash on Stevie Ray, only for Regal to make the save, allowing Stevie to tag in Booker to hit a jumping hook kick for a near fall on Brian. Lord Steven with another blind tag, allowing the Blue Bloods to take over the punishment on Nobbs, including a top rope knee drop from Eaton and a modified STF from Regal. Stevie Ray is then brought in by Lord Steven to choke Brian before Booker is brought in, only for him to be tagged out by Regal as he was coming off the ropes. The name of this match was Regal getting the blind tag literally anytime someone came near him. Uh, yeah, he was like, I'm just, I'm not getting any of this on me. <laughs> Nobbs begins to fire up with right hands on Lord Steven, tossing him to the ropes, only for Regal to come back with a sunset flip. But Brian just sits down on Lord Steven before crawling his way to the corner for the hot tag. He drops that gut pretty hard on our boy. Sags with multiple right hands to the Blue Bloods. Nobbs tosses Eaton into Harlem Heat, knocking Stevie Ray and Earl Robert out to the floor, while Jerry slams Booker T into the ring. Brian then back body drops Regal in the middle of the ring, followed by Sags back body dropping Booker onto Lord Steven. Ouch. Nobbs then splashes them both before Jerry makes the cover on top of Booker T, who is in top of Regal for the pin and, and the win. win. And no. No. Harlem Heat is your winner. They retain. Because Booker T was on top of Regal, whose shoulders were on the mat. Makes sense, uh, and I actually like the finish of this match. I think that the finish of the match is nice, considering it's like, okay, well, we have this three-way. How do we do it? It's like, well, it's not particularly exciting, but at least the finish is well-considered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it took me a moment to realize what they were doing, and I was just like... Good. That that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I like it. I love I love the logic. Don't love the match. Exactly. And the match right there exists for that. Like this is the kind of pay per view thing where it's like, oh, like it has its it has a it, it did has, a hot dog cart, didn't it? Yes. It ha- <laughs> yeah, it has its place, and it's just a way to continue a thing, and it does it satisfactory. Mean Jean catches up with Harlem Heat and Sister Sherry calling their win fortunate. And he promptly gets lambasted, as they say it was not luck, but as beating two fat punks and a foe called Foreigner. Okerlin then brings up the stud stable and again gets shouted down. As he should. Stud stable. Stop bringing up the stud stable already. Buckhouse and fucking Dick Slater. We go back to Tony and Heenan where they discuss the next match. Wondering why Flair and Savage are having a lifeguard match. And Shivani begins to explain that because the Nature Boy kept leaving the ring the last time they matched up. But Bobby says that so did Macho Man, which leads to the two arguing for a moment. Which brings us to our next match. I mean, Bobby's doing Bobby great work Tony. here. And it's the lifeguard match, which is just a lumber guard, lumberjack match on the beach. Exactly. Fun. Before the match, we go to Mean Gene in the back with Nate, where Flair starts talking about Liz 
Baywatch Girls, and Space Mountain. And Savage needs to remember three things. Flair swept Liz off her feet. Flair jack-slapped Macho's old man. And there's only one styler and profiler that has kissed all the girls and made them cry. Limo riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, kiss all the girls and made them cry. Okerlund yeah. says he should get a 1-900 number. He should. Or you should just sit on the phone for WCW's hotline. 1-900-909-9900. We go back to Shivani in the Brain, where Heenan is standing on his chair so we can better see all of the Baywatch girls walking down to the ring. Ah, uh, there's the Bobby I know. That leads us right into our sixth match. The Nature Boy, Ric Flair, versus Macho Man Randy Savage in a lifeguard match. And as you said, it's the same as a lumberjack match. Yes. But we're on the beach. Yeah, so that we're wearing tie-dye. The boys are out wearing tie-dye. Those shirts look great. Randy's out in full Slim Jim gear. Is this the beginning, the first time we've seen the full Slim Jim gear? Probably. Yeah. I mean, they are the proud sponsor of this pay-per-view. Yeah, snap into a beef stick. That's right. Our lifeguards that are around the ring are, as listed, Arn Anderson, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Dirty Dick Slater, Bunkhouse Buck, The Nasty Boys, Harlem Heat, DDP, Bax Muscle, Johnny B. Bad. Well, hey, Johnny. Evad Sullivan. Chris Canyon. Well, hey. And wow. Mark Starr. Who's Mark Starr? Good question. Okay, I know who Canyon is, uh, and that's the other guy that is the least famous. Um, Johnny B. Bad. Isn't it kind of a shame Johnny B. Bad's not on the show? Uh, when's the last time we saw him, Johnny B. Bad? Been too long. Exactly. I think that... Him and him sneaking a win over Duggan, no shade to Kamala, probably would have gone over better. People know Kamala, but Johnny B. Bad used to be our first match, like crowd pleaser, not too long ago. And I think that he's too pretty to be a warrior in the Dungeon of Doom, though. He is uh, pretty beefy. Yeah, I mean, you, we we probably could have ended up with Johnny B. Bad as the Zodiac. Oh Ed. my gosh, he doesn't deserve that, but I just want him to be on the show, so it is what it is. Yeah. Michael Buffer makes the announcements for this match as well, and I believe it marks the first time that we've ever seen him do announcements for a non-title match. It seems like he only ever does yeah. one match. He only ever does the title match at the end of the show, so it was crazy that he did it at the beginning, and then he was kind of crazy that he did it here, but I mean, Michael Buffer, maybe they, they have that Slim Jim money. Yeah. And as Macho is walking down the aisle, we see Angelo Poffo in the crowd. Shirt off, just chilling. Hanging out. Yeah. He's hanging with his bros. Yeah, and maybe some ladies. Um, and after he leaves, Macho's throwing out Slim Jims after the crowd. Mm-hmm. Flair and Savage start exchanging words inside the ring when Savage begins to hammer away, hitting a back body drop and several clotheslines, which end up sending Nate out to the floor on the heel side. So they just help him back into the ring. Good lifeguards. Savage with mounted punches in the corner. Only for Flair to escape with an atomic drop and tossing Macho out to the lifeguards on the face side. Which end up helping him back in. Yeah, I do like that Heenan and Shivani are putting over that Flair's best bud, Arn, is on the outside. And you should keep an eye out for him. You gotta, you gotta the lumberjack match, you gotta, if you don't bring those guys in a little bit, then I mean, it's you know, true. Like, what's the point? It's a smart. Well, 
he's got Arn on on Flair's side. Who's Savage got? Uh, I guess just any face. Duggan. <laughs> Savage catches the Nature Boy with a back elbow, delivers in turbuckle smash, sending Nature to the corner for a flare flip, causing him to land on the Nasty Boys. Uh oh. Back in the ring, Nature Boy yanks Macho through the ropes and out to the sand before trying to bring him in the hard way. But Savage reverses, sending Nature out to the floor. Flair's rolled back in where he begs off, only to be whipped into a corner, bouncing out into a back body drop. But a rake of the eyes and a sleeper change the momentum. Macho escapes by running the Nature Boy into a corner, which causes a Flair flop. Did I say that wrong? Flair is first to his feet and begins delivering chops and clotheslines before tossing Savage out to the floor, where the heel lifeguards stomp away until he's rolled back into the ring. Nature climbs to the top rope, only for Macho to fall into the ropes, causing the Nature Boy to fall off, chin first, into Savage's head. Oh, and it sells it. You know, like any like good arsenal. Yeah. yeah, it was nasty. Macho with a clothesline and right hands before applying a sleeper, which Flair escapes with a shin breaker and begins to work the leg. Savage is firing up, smashing the Nature Boy's head into a turnbuckle, but then he runs into a big boot, followed by the figure four in the middle of the ring. Macho turns the submission over to finally break the hold, but Nature's up first to deliver a stalling suplex for a two count. Nature, Nature knows that Macho has the weight advantage, and he needs to get out of that as soon as he can. He's not going to roll back over. This is all hopped up on Slim Gems, man. Mm-hmm. Protein. Flair heads up top, but Savage catches him in the gut on his way down, followed by more mounted punches in the corner, which the Nature Boy tries to counter with another atomic drop, only for Macho to block and clothesline and punch Nature out to the floor. I love it. I love it when it's like, oh, you can't go back to the well. Nature decides he's had enough and he starts to head up the shoreline, but the lifeguards catch up with him, bringing him back to the ring where Savage flies off the apron with a double axe handle, which brings Double A up to the apron to protest. Anderson's nailed, allowing Flair to recover and rake the eyes, but is then back body dropped over the ropes into the arms of the Nasty Boys. And, and I feel like the Nasty Boys have almost taken more bumps here than yeah. they did in their actual match. In, in the arms of the uh, Angels? While this is <laughs> happening on the outside... Arn sneaks in to nail Macho with a DDT. So once the Nature Boy is back in the ring, he makes the cover for the pin, and no, Savage kicks out. Macho then counters a hip toss into a backslide for a two count, before running into a back elbow, allowing Nature to head up top, only to be press slammed off to the mat. Savage then heads up top for a double axe handle, before going up top for the Macho Elbow. For the pin. And the win. Post-match, the face lifeguards all jump in the ring to celebrate. Before holding Flair down. So that Savage can hit another elbow drop. When all of a sudden, Mark Starr makes the save. Pulling <laughs> the Nature Boy out of the ring. Oh my gosh. Like Maybe that was... Uh... He was like, this is my moment. This is my moment. Maybe I can maybe I can hang out with Rick. Maybe he'll like me. Maybe I'll be the guy that pulls him out. Pretty 
solid. I wish that they would have put over the Angelo stuff a little bit more. Because they, like, show him or whatever, but it seems like the commentary didn't talk about it as much. Or if Angelo got more got involved even for a second, I think it might have added a little bit more tension to this. But it's, it's, I mean, it's it macho and flair. felt like he was just hanging out at the beach and was like, oh, yeah, they my show son's him and having he's like, a match today? Yeah, yeah. It's like we've, if we could have ramped up the tension a hair and it would have added a lot not that i don't not that i think this was bad maybe he's still foggy after the attack by flair at the (laughs) whatever that show was slamboree yeah he should have uh you know maybe maybe um mach should have shared uh his uh slim jim powder with him like i gotta look up though and see if old mark star became anything wrestled as doink at one point apparently who has <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that just wasn't a name i was expecting to see yeah on. yeah it's like oh surprising but not surprising like when the fuck did you do when were you doink mark star is not a terrible name for a face or a heel i mean it's better than firebreaker chip hey nothing's better than firebreaker chip <laughs> He worked in WWF in late 94 and early 95, losing to Razor Ramon, Lex Luger, British Bulldog, and Adam Bomb. Oh, all guys that they were pushing at points into Monsterdom. Competed in dark matches at Uncensored 95 and Slamboree 95 and Bash at the Beach, losing to Alex Wright, Sergeant Craig Pittman, and Road Warrior Hawk. I'd love to see what he did with Alex Wright, if he exposes Alex Wright, or if he can actually work. He was... Canyon's tag team partner in the tag team minute work. Gotcha. There yeah. you go. We need a, uh, a a heel tag team that's like male porn stars, and uh, they're called Men on Film. Now you get the American males just <laughs> down the line. Tony then sends us to a video package where it shows us Vader on his roadkill tour, where we get highlights of his reign of destruction on various TV shows as he cuts a promo behind a cage link fence. We then go back to Mean Gene in the back where he's joined by Vader, where Shane will graciously reenact his promo. What time is it? Someone must show this chump what time it is. In the first, in a few moments, Hulkamania will find out what time it is. Vader feels no pain. Vader is from right here in inner city LA, surviving. Well, Hogan was out tanning with his new car, brother. Vader was fighting for survival. There was nowhere for Hogan to hide. Vader is chasing from the East Coast to the West Coast. There's nowhere for Hogan to go. Unless he wants to go swimming, brother. Pay pay, pay pitch perfect. (laughs) It was just like, I was like, what, Vader? (laughs) Like, you've had so many good promos over, and it was just like, this is what you go with? Yeah, Leon's like, I'm out of ideas. Where's, where's Corny? To give me some pointers. Doesn't matter what I say, they're going to make me lose anyway, so... Blah, brother. Yeah. Go swimming, brother. We go back to Tony and Heenan, where they discuss the main event, before talking about the next pay-per-view, Collision in Korea. <sighs> I'm so excited for this one, guys. Which we're going to cover in two weeks. I didn't realize that there was video of it when I watched The Dark Side of the Ring, uh, which not the greatest episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Maybe the best thing that happens in that is uh, Scorpio, not Scorpio Sky, Too Cold Scorpio looks like a complete idiot and asshole. 
but uh, I'm excited that there's video of this because they show some clips here and it looks like the opening of like the fucking China Beijing Olympics or the, what was the like Olympics? Yeah, okay. The, not That's the, not, where the it is. Not, not the most recent one, but like it just looks like crazy the amount of flair, no pun intended, that they have uh, here. We then go back to Okerlund, who's now joined by Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Hart, and Dennis Rodman. And Hogan says that they rode across Cali on their motorcycles looking for a biker brawl. But they heard Vader's big mouth yapping. And he says, I've got the Baywatch girls to distract Vader. I've got the cage plowed into the sand. And I've got the great white sharks out in the ocean for when I launch Vader over the cage. The sharks will rip him and tear him limb from limb. And Robin then chimes in with, Anyone gets near that gauge, your head is bashed, fat man. Based. Yep. Based? Yeah, he like doesn't say, he doesn't enunciate his words at all. Yeah, um, I just, this promo of Hogan being like, we were going up and down the highway to looking for somebody to beat up. That's your face promo? Mm-hmm. It's like, what if we found somebody to... Yeah, Don't try and su- supply logic to anything that Hogan does. There was something you, else, you're too. You're just going to hurt your brain. That they, said, that they said that was crazy, but... Hogan then continues with, Rod the body will take their face and give them a flory dory all against the cage. If you know what I'm saying, brother. A flory dory. And I was like, no, Hulk. I have no clue what you're saying. A, a, a flory dory. A flory dory is when uh, Dory Funk Hits takes the floor. Takes the takes the pin in a match, in a tag match with his brother. <clears throat> I was like, oh well, you know, just do your thing in, until I give you the wink, and it'll be a flory dory. And he was like, all right, brother. Let's go to the my one. my real brother. Let's see if we have any other flory dory. The uh, other thing in that promo is that, like, he makes fun of and discredits Vader for growing up in a tough inner city lifestyle. And it's like, Hogan, like, that's a. All you're doing is putting sympathy on Vader, who you couldn't put sympathy on if you wanted to. It's, like, impossible. He doesn't have a, a cute face like Bam Bam Bigelow. He's not a jolly man. Like, Bam Bam Bigelow. It, even with a head tattoo, is not as scary or like menacing as Vader. Bam Bam Bigelow seems like a nice guy. Maybe he's not in real life. I have no idea. But he legitimately has an aura about him that feels vaguely positive. Whereas like Vader is always in character. Two degrees of success behind the microphone, of course. But in the ring, you're always getting Vader. Did you find anything else about Flory Dory? Um, Flory Dory Girls. Uh, Sounds like a porn site. Mm-hmm. No, it's uh, a short from the R Gang or Little Rascals from like 1936. Yeah, close enough. But Flory Dory being um, like finding Dory too. Spoof Flory name Dory. for the group of first grade age dancers that acted in Beginner's Luck. Flory Dory Girls, the Flory Dory Sextet. And the Floradora Dollies. That sounds like some flapper shit. Yeah. Glad Hogan's uh, keeping up with the times here. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
So we go to our seventh match. Big Van Vader versus Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart and Dennis Rodman. In a steel cage match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Nothing like the face coming out with a manager and muscle and the heel not. But he does come out with his smoking Mastodon helmet. He does, and it's awesome, and we love it. Buffer makes the announcements for this one, so let's get ready to see someone win by climbing over the cage, as that's part of the stipulation for the first time in WCW. I can't say that I feel positively about that. Hulk starts hammering away on Vader with mounted punches, clotheslines, even sending him into the cage several times but can't ever get him off of his feet. Hogan attempts to smash Vader's head into the cage, only for it to be reversed, allowing the big man to take control with stiff shots in the corner, before smashing Hulk face first into his Mastodon helmet, which is sitting on top of one of the corners. I love that the Vader patented Vader blows to Hogan in the corner here look tighter than the ones we've seen before, and it feels good to see that Hogan... May have gotten some shot rights from my brother Leon. Vader tries a second smash into the helmet, but it's reverse sending the big man into the helmet, knocking him down. Hogan then puts the Mastodon helmet on. Motherfucker. I'm resting my head on the microphone in shame. Mocking Vader. Before headbutting the big man multiple times. I can't believe that Vader allowed him to put the coolest mask that's ever been a part of wrestling on. I'm surprised that old pretty boy Terry there was willing to put that mask on his head after the rumors about Vader. Oh, yeah. I've quoted a million times, but as Bret Hart said, wrestling Vader was like wrestling a concrete truck full of vomit. We'll be there soon. Leon, if you were alive, we'd send you a case of Old Spice. Vader starts to fire up with an avalanche splash, followed by a pair of Vader bombs for a two count. The big man lawn darts the Hulkster into the cage before hitting a suplex without ever leaving his feet. (laughs) So it was only Hogan taking the bump. Yeah, which is awesome. You see very often. I know, I love it. I love to see Hogan lawn dart. love to see Hogan take the bump. Love to see, I guess, a, a drop suplex, maybe you would call it. It's because he doesn't go back down with him. Yeah. Vader then attempts to walk out the door. But Hogan stops him, sending the big man face first into the cage several times before attempting a body slam to no avail. Vader with headbutts and more stiff shots that lead to a snapmare before climbing up to the top rope for a senton that Hulk moves out of the way. Hogan with right hands, clotheslines, and tries for another body slam, only for Vader to fall on top of him for a near fall. The big man grabs a chin lock, only for the Hulkster to elbow his way free, leading to the two men slugging it out, when Hogan hits a clothesline and finally body slams Vader. And there's Hogan chance and they upset him. But it hurts his back in the process. I mean, he got he got suplayed, and you know now it's time now it's time to sell it back. The big man delivers a short arm clothesline and a flying splash for a two count. But it's Hulk up time. No, don't wave the finger. Vader sends Hogan into the cage, only for it to be no sold. 
So Hulk starts running the big man back and forth into the cage. Big boot. But Vader doesn't go down. Still stays up. You know what I would love to see? Hogan wave the finger. Somebody grabs it. Snap it. Snap it. That would be such a good spot. Hogan hits a second big boot that finally knocks Vader down. When all of a sudden the Taskmaster and Zodiac are running down the aisle. But Rodman scares them away with a chair. Oh my gosh. Zodiac runs up during his Luna run. Uh, I mean, Rodman's crazy, but like... Is he that scary? You got like 40 pounds on him. Did you hear the stuff he was saying before? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it made absolutely no sense. Yeah, so who knows that's what pretty you do scary. Out there. Yeah, uh, I love that Tony Schiavone. Yeah, may, may, Tony Schiavone may have swapped Bobby to get on the sauce, as he calls the Hogan big boot, the big foot. <laughs> Hulk then delivers a pair of leg drops and starts to climb the cage, only for Vader to meet him at the top, where the two begin to brawl. The big man ends up slipping falling back down to the mat, allowing Hogan to climb over and down to the floor to win the match. What a climactic ending. Shivani says his goodbyes as the crowd starts to dispense, when all of a sudden, Ric Flair has run down to the ring. The nature boy starts yelling at Vader for losing, so the big man starts to choke him. Arn Anderson then runs in to make the save but he gets scared away. The nature boy takes the distraction as a way to climb the cage and escape as well. And did you see how fast he climbed that cage? Like, he he jumped and hurdled it pretty much. (laughs) And as Vader is making his way to the back, he grabs a cameraman and tells he wants both Nate and Arn Anderson. Damn right he does. Two on one, I'll beat you. Tony and Heenan are discussing what just happened before saying his goodbyes once more before the credits roll. Hmm. And this would be the last time we would see Vader in a WCW ring. That's such a shame because I was about to say that as much as I dislike the finish of this match between Hogan and Vader, it should not end on a nutshot. It's just like, I know that Vader's trying to, to get a clean, like a, like a kind of a way out of the loss. It just Here, is anticlimactic. I'm gonna but then, give you. I'm gonna give you a little fun note. Yeah, yeah. About Vader and Hogan, they faced off four times. Mm-hmm. Vader lost all four times, but he never took a pin. That's good. Vader's Vader doesn't deserve. Hogan doesn't deserve. Like deserve such a weird word, but like, Vader's got money to make elsewhere. Vader is uh, a ho- like. As popular as Hogan, more popular than Hogan is now in Japan as a heel. So, like, he can't just be over here, even without the internet, he can't be over here just taking pins from Hogan and then it be putting in, it being put in wrestling magazines. I just thought that the flair double A angle at the end was kind of a neat way out, but obviously that doesn't come to fruition. It does set up a match at a Clash of the Champions, but we're not covering. Okay, well I might have to seek that out, because I am interested in uh, a double A and Rick versus Vader, which either could be not so hot, but it does have potential to be compelling, I think. So I ask you gentlemen, 
What are your overall thoughts of Bash at the Beach 1995? A Bash at the Beach that might be front-loaded? Is Sting Ming the best match on the show? Well, I mean, and then Flair Macho. And Flair Macho doesn't have... It should have a little bit more vigor, considering the angle that they don't really touch that much. Yeah. Weird show. That's my thought process on thought process on it. Yeah. Yeah, like like Michael is saying, it started off hot with the the Sting Ming showdown, and then it was the Hogan friend follies. And then it was the end. Yeah, well, it's I think just it didn't have. I mean, it was yeah, it was on a beach and so that made it helped potential. make it. Let me. I don't think bad is the word, the right word for this show. It's uneventful. It's kind of mundane. Like everything is there. It's it's whatever. It's not nothing. Nothing's no, trash. Nothing is trash. Yeah. Like. Like, if you needed an example of meh from 1995, Bash is, at the Beach. This is kind this of, meh. this is kind of a, like, mediocre, like, a, like, mid-tier Clash of the Champions on a beach. Yeah. Is that a I good think, way to put it? I mean, yeah, I think we said some that about these, their last one, too. That some of these finishes that. that are on this show, like, they would probably bother me at other points, but we've seen them do much worse finishes. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like this is kind of like po- eh, like okay. yeah this is kind of like net positive by association yeah. of like uncensored and yeah. things of that nature yeah, and super brawls there or slamborees like Kamala and Hep Duggan doesn't really count as a match. I will say that uh, I think that uh, Orndorff and Renegade is better than it should be, but Paul Orndorff always delivers. I mean he. He will provide a experienced hand in a match with a guy who doesn't need to be in the ring. No, and they didn't overstay it. It was six minutes. Paul Orndorff, with always great character work, he got in, got out. If this went to eight minutes, it might have been a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it seemed like every match like, knew how long it should be, and they knew they were outside in the heat, and that like we can't have... Steamboat flare. Like, we can't have a match like that out here. Yeah, it just. Eh. Like, yeah, it's. A, I, think, I think we've all said the same. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a shrug. It's, it's, yeah. it's a shrug. You're like, mm. yeah. yeah. We watched it. We did? I didn't hate it. It, wasn't, it was not listeners. a. Yeah. We it watched was, it, so you might not have to. It wasn't. you really want yeah, to. It wasn't hard to watch. If this was in a building, maybe, it might be different. I think that. It, it, it definitely on the beach gave it a different vibe. Yeah, and I was so scared that the crowd would not know what they were seeing, but the crowd was pretty decent considering that nobody has a good seat. There's like, like everyone's around here, everyone's on the same level. There's a like platform from the sand, and then and then the stage, and there's no seating, so everybody's standing. Yeah. So it's like they don't know. There's no good view. Of this show for the crowd, yet considering all of that, a good portion of them stuck with it when it was worth worth sticking with air quotes. Yeah. 
Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? I like the finish in the tag match. Uh, I like Paul with the hand full of sand. I would have loved to see Rick use the hand full of sand, but we can't go back to the well. Don't mind Paul doing it, but it seems like the dirtiest player in the game might have been the sand guy. The sand man, if you will. And we're not talking Adam. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, uh, I mean, Macho Man was, was great, as always. This is nobody's best performance. No, definitely not. Like, Eaton, like, Re- Eaton and I mean, Regal did nothing. Regal really did nothing. He got the, night, the lightest payday. Highlight for me? Literally at one point during that tag match, I went, has Eaton been in this match? Because Regal kept tagging himself in. And I was like, has Bobby been in this match at all? Yeah. He was, but it wasn't enough for my liking. Yeah, I agree. I loved seeing uh, Hogan take some bumps. I loved seeing... Vader get some shoot rights on Hogan. That suplex that Vader does on Hogan is great. Yes. I was just like, Hell okay. Yeah. yeah, it was it was shade. Like Hogan didn't know Vader wasn't gonna follow Man. through, which is nice. And then there's one right hand by uh, Vader that's like right on the chin of Hogan, and it was stiff and it looked great, and the camera was right in there. I think considering that it's the last time we see Vader in a WCW ring, it was really cool that he came out with the smoking. Yeah, yeah mask. mask. Yeah. I don't know. In the Sting Sting Ming match, there was uh, the brainbuster yes. that Ming does. Uh, yeah, it totally wasn't supposed to be a brainbuster. It was supposed to just be a vertical suplex. So then, that's why it looks so nasty. So that's why it looks so nasty, exactly. But then that's the reason why I think Sting, uh, when he dropped down on the sunset flip, he dropped ass first on Ming's head, which was also really it was, nasty. It was this receipt for yeah. Yeah. The bad brain buster. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, honestly, I think Ming might get our performer of the night. Because I think that Ming, like, we love Flair, we love Macho Man, we love a lot of these guys, but I think that Ming... about Mark Starr all the way for me. <laughs> totally. But I think that um, Ming has continued to take advantage of his push. No matter, Like, it probably won't go as far as we would like. But, you know, he looks like a formidable formidable foe, and he looks like a fucking monster. How about most disappointing? Um, Hogan putting on the mask really upset me. <laughs> yes. It really rubbed me the wrong way. That was the one thing on the show that I was just like... It was, like, disrespectful. What are, what are we doing? Yeah, like, whatever. The Zodiac, who cares? Taskmaster. Master, who cares? Evad... He's better now. He's more interesting now than yeah, he was I, I enjoy him more now than I've ever have. So. Yeah, exactly. But, like, Hogan doing that, it's like, you son of a bitch. That's what we're talking about with this yeah. show yeah. just being meh. Like, I'm yeah. literally, I best mean, moments, I'm like, um... Dave Sullivan is one of your best moments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> most, what am I disappointed in? Um... Uh, yeah, like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not disappointed in anything. Hogan being disrespectful. They, they're just, I mean, other than that, because yeah. like literally everything else is kind of just what I expect from these guys. It's kind, it's like I said, it's kind of a like like low tier clash vibe, where it's like okay, well, it's better than a weekly television show. It feels like a television show special and not quite a pay per view. But we've seen pay per views that are much worse 
than probably even the worst of Clash of Champions. I'm talking your uh, slamborees and super brawls of past that are just like a true slog. I mean, we're six months into 95, and I think I can probably pretty much say that 95 is the worst year we have covered of wrestling. In in the history of wrestling, 95 falls as one of the worst years. I, I will say it's wrestling. funny that the like the WWF stuff is pulling from like mid south and like Memphis style storylines and doing them pretty solid to like good and there's interesting matches we're getting excited about like Jarrett. We know Brett's always gonna do well. Like there's more solid wrestling on the channel, on the other on the other program than there is here and it's kind of a weird swap. It's like, oh, well, they're not doing as well as they were, but they're putting on better shows. No, I mean, there's better solid programming I think on I think Brewster, the animated series. There are singular <laughs> guys that are carrying make, that make things interesting and worth watching, but overall, 95 in both companies, and I'll even include ECW at this point, because like we said last week, like we're kind of getting the same thing over and over again. It's different, so we'll give it that. Everybody's doing something different for sure. Like They're it's not different but... until it's the same match that we saw the last week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no shit. One thing that blew my mind was a Huntington Beach ECW T-shirt. Complete opposite coast, and there's ECW shirt on the beach over here. Huh. So like that means something. Tape Trader Galore. I know it's kind of crazy. I kind of find it. I found that pretty mind-blowing, honestly. I mean, we already said best performers. Said I, I, was, I was high on Ming. Yeah. Because um, Ming, Ming was, like, proving himself as if he should have to prove himself. But, like, he was in it more than the stars that we know. And see, I have to give it, I, mean, I give it to him often, but Bobby... Bobby was on. Bobby was Bobby again was my spirit on. animal at this, even right at the very end where he took his headset off and threw it down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm done with this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How about most surprising? I was pretty surprised that Kamala was here. The, the, the crowd was the surprising part for me. Yeah, good point. Because I was talking yeah. about how I was very nervous that it wouldn't be a wrestling crowd. But considering there was obviously no good seat in the house, they were pretty invested for things that didn't really warrant investment. investment. Yeah. yeah. Surprising also, no Pam. No who? Doing Baywatch, no Pam, no Oh yeah, Matt. they brought Baywatch girls came out and well it was none of the main cast yeah, at all. Like, yeah. Background. Yeah. yeah. It's they, like they, I was trying they, to look they to see if them or any I they can't get them with Slim Jim money. No. Nah. Most surprising that there wasn't really many or any Surprise! I mean, I know Kamala yeah, like, was a surprise, but no Angelo spot in the really... match. There should have been an Angelo Poffo spot. Somebody should have like slapped him. Arn Anderson maybe should have turned around and like you know just like hit him to make Macho Man like hit him while he he Macho Man's say Ric Flair is Macho Man in a sleeper. He's facing the same direction that his father is on the ring. Uh, Arn looks up at Macho Man, slaps Angelo. But Papa Angelo. wasn't at ringside. He was in the crowd. I know. It that's a problem. Matter. But, like, what a spot where, like, Macho Man, like, freaks out and then, like, he gets too emotional and takes the loss because of it or something like that. Like, something that just kind of puts 
the the angles because we know why the lumberjacks are there, but outside of Angelo with his shirt off and sunglasses on, like sandwiched like fucking ten people back in the crowd, it's all we really get. But that's just kind of that's a nitpicky really thing. Where it's like, I, I didn't really feel like you needed any more of that. No, probably not. But it, it's kind of one of those things where like maybe anything might help. Most surprising that I actually said on a microphone, where is Harlem Heat from? Yes. I mean, <laughs> the, yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm with you when you said, like, oh, yeah, well, where are they built from? And I was like, where are they built from? And yeah. then Matt uh, made us look like fools. But, hey, maybe it was the peanut butter whiskey speak. Yeah. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish... Big Van Vader had held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship for almost two months when Tatsumi Fujinami would demand a rematch for the title he lost. The two men would match up at Big Fight Series 1991 in Hiroshima, Japan on March 4th. Fujinami would be victorious to claim the championship to become the first four-time champion in the history of the belt. A few weeks later, World Championship Wrestling would make their way to Japan for the WCW New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Show. Bringing the NWA's World Heavyweight Champion, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, in for a title versus title match. The two men would be back and forth, each working limbs throughout the match. The match would head outside the ring where Flair would send Tatsumi into the railing to take control of the match. Continuing the attack inside the ring with suplexes and neck breakers until the Nature Boy would be press slammed off a top rope to stop the momentum. Fujinami would dropkick Nature out to the floor and run him into a guardrail, busting Flair open. Back inside the ring, Tatsumi would keep up the punishment with lariats, insiguris, and a dreaded tree of woe. The Nature Boy would roll to the outside to regroup but Fujinami was hot on his tracks, only for Flair to accidentally knock the ref down as he was charging at Tatsumi. Fujinami would make several pin attempts, but each time there was no count, as Bill Alfonso was still out. Flair would charge at Tatsumi, only to be back body dropped over the ropes, while another ref was attempting to help Alfonso to his feet. Fujinami would bring the Nature Boy back into the ring with a vertical suplex, making a cover with this second ref, Tiger Hattori, rolling in to make the count for the pin, making Tatsumi Fujinami the 41st NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. As the two companies would present the match result in different ways, it would only make sense for Fujinami to make his way to America for a rematch in the very near future. Bum bum bum! Fuji Flair sequel. I'm going to say trilogy. It's like, oh, I don't know. It's not a trilogy. No trilogy. (laughs) There's no trilogy here. I vaguely remember these things. Fujinami and Flair rocking the deuce. (laughs) (laughs) Next week, In Your House 2. It's in Nashville, Tennessee. So, I mean, Shane's got some options and... We will probably see uh, like a, a Jeff Jarrett match. There's a good chance. There's a pretty strong chance. 
Maybe maybe Sparky Plug will get a singles match that we can bite in that we can chew on because we've seen we've been singles matches that wasn't a lot to chew. They were, oh, Sparky! Music from this week's show is Mega Wave by Christian Leroux and Daniel Darris, and Hogan won our main event, so we play American Made by He's Jimmy Hart. American Made. American Made. Hogan's two theme songs. Very good. Yeah, but the problem is you can play them right on top of each other and they play together perfectly without any issue. Yeah, and the second one's and still not like as good. That. Still, still not as good. Who do you think you are? Wizard of Oz and Pink, Pink Floyd? Floyd. <laughs> no. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, we're going to Nashville next week, so send me some Nashville ideas. Maybe Bash the Beach 95 is your favorite show of all time. Uh, I'd love to do that. If so, don't send me any recipe ideas, because your recipes are probably going to be mid. No, we want to hear from you. (laughs) We love hearing differing opinions. You know what? You know what? You know what the... um, meal based on this show is it's the sandy dog it's when you get a hot dog from a hot dog stand you drop it in the sand eat it anyway i hope that's what a sandy dog is i have a feeling it's something way worse (laughs) yeah i don't want to know don't uh don't urban dictionary sandy dog if you know what a sandy dog is tweet us that (laughs) yeah sure we'd love to hear can email us at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on twitter at wrestlinghistox that's wrestling h-i-s-t-o-x We'll talk to you next week. Later. Lucky Terry. <laughs>